wake up quick at about noon. And thank you for downloading, streaming, and for listening to another episode of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar. It is the Wednesday, April 29th edition of the podcast. Posting a little bit early here today, uh, simply because I can't sleep. Simple as that. I wish there was some super dope explanation. Man, I got so much work to do. I'm super busy today. Nah, man. Just can't sleep. It's like, I ha- I, I, I don't know what your schedule has been like since... Since the pandemic, I, I've been trying to figure out. I, I don't set the alarm like I used to. As a lot of you know, I, I used to wake up really, really early. I used to post this podcast really early and kind of, you know, get the dogs, walk, work out, do all that. And there's really no reason to do any of that stuff right now. So I, I wake up when the dogs wake up. Like I don't wake up uh, to an alarm and... The dogs normally wake up like around 7. That's the time that they eat. As we get like deeper into the summer months, they start waking up earlier and earlier. They start waking up to like, oh, it's bright outside. It must be time to eat. And it's like 6. So so like what's today? Wednesday? I just said it. It was Wednesday. So Monday I was up at, I don't know, 6, 20, 6.15. And then Tuesday, it was like 5.50. And I was like, oh, 5.50 is like right in that sweet spot between, okay, should I do the show now? Should I work out? What should I do? Like, ah, just chill here for a little bit. Walk the dogs a little bit early. Come back, blah, blah, blah. This morning, it was like 5. And you know that haze that you're in? Like, like you're, you're still kind of asleep, but you're thinking and you're conscious of what you're thinking about. You're thinking about like what you got to do today. You know, for me, I'm thinking about these different projects I'm working on and stuff like that. And I'm like, wait, I'm kind of asleep, but I'm kind of awake. And at the, again, it was five o'clock by five fifteen. It was like, man, just get up. And it was like, do you work out or you do the podcast? I thought, man, let's Let's do the podcast because I don't imagine a whole bunch is going to happen in the world of sports between the time we record this, the time it posts. And I don't imagine a much, a lot is going to happen after we post it. Uh, we're just kind of in that, we're just kind of in that time. And and, and not that there's not sports news. There, there is news out there. I just don't expect dramatic stuff to happen. And of course, as I say, that's something terribly dramatic is going to happen at like eight or nine o'clock well after this show is posted. But I guess that'll be for tomorrow's episode either way I guess this this is my therapy session of the podcast this is my uh therapy uh segment here of the podcast where I'm just getting out my inability to sleep properly over the course of the last few days really this has been going on for the last few weeks this is going on now all of a sudden this happens regularly I I think it happened last year where in Sacramento or or you know maybe even specifically for people in Northern California we just skip spring. It's just like, ah, you know, the hell with it. Let's just go straight to summer. We don't we don't really need spring. Spring could be spring is beautiful, man. We get seventy degree temperatures, you know, brisk mornings, comfortable afternoons. It's like, nah, we're we're good. Along with this global pandemic, we're just gonna eliminate spring and we're gonna go ahead and and get straight into summer. Like it was warm yesterday. Even my walks in the morning have gotten like, yeah, this is a, this is a little bit toasty. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm an old person. Like I, I walk in the morning. I, I go, for, I go for my brisk walk. 
first thing in the morning. That feels like something an old person does. I do it with my dogs, and I come back and we get our, I get my workout in. But again, this is my therapy session of the podcast. This is where I pay you for listening. So uh, thank you so much. We'll start somewhere. Uh, we'll talk about something that we haven't talked about in a very, very long time, well over a month. And that's the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Sam Amick uh, talked with Luke Walton on his tampering podcast. And uh, they talked uh, about a number of things. But in addition to the podcast, Sam wrote an accompanying article with it on The Athletic. And there, there, I, I guess there's news in it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to say. But we know the direction that the Kings were going. And, you know, the Kings... I'm not of the mindset, as most of you are aware. I don't think the Kings were going to make the playoffs. I, it, I think it was still, I mean, even numbers-wise, it was still a long shot for the Kings to make the playoffs. I don't know how good Memphis was going to be you know, down the stretch. I also don't know how good Sacramento was going to be. However, I know that Sacramento was playing really, really well. They were one of the better teams in the league when things kind of uh, shut down, and that I mean, we were entering what was, and you know, we used to talk about this as well. Um, you know, each game, the, the the better that the Kings continued to play, uh, each game became well. This is the biggest game of the season, and every week for the Kings, as they tried to uh, chip away at where the Memphis Grizzlies were, each each week there was a new game that was the biggest game of the season, and. There is no question the game that did not happen was the latest biggest game of the season for so many different reasons, but it was obviously against the New Orleans Pelicans on, I think it was March 11th. And they were, you know, the Kings are an interesting story, and it's 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 one of those, oh, like you, you this, this it's going to be one of the, it's, it's a really frustrating aspect uh, of losing the season. I mean, NBA fans in general, sure, you'd love to know who was going to win the championship. You would love to know how the, the season was going to play out. I don't think the Kings were going to make the playoffs, but not for a lack of not playing well. I don't know that Memphis was going to die enough for them to make the playoffs. Memphis was struggling, but they had... They had, for the most part, gotten over it. Now, they, they still weren't playing to the level in which they were several months earlier, but they weren't, they weren't awful. They had a stretch where they were, they were really bad, but they weren't in that stage anymore. And so I, w- I wasn't confident that over the last, you know, less than 20 games that Memphis was going to lose precisely the right you know, four games and Sacramento was going to win the right four games that was going to keep them ahead of New Orleans, who was, eh, eh, they were struggling a little bit. Like, you know, what was going to keep Sacramento above New Orleans while still uh, grabbing the ground that they needed on Memphis. But still, this season for the Kings is like, uh, it's a movie where we're not going to see the ending. And while... I don't think the Kings were going to make the playoffs. I still would have loved to have seen how they finished the season. You know, the, did they continue to play at a high rate and they just couldn't catch Memphis because they were too far behind? Because as a Kings fan, that would be totally acceptable. Right? The 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 Grizzlies had built enough of a lead 
And, you know, in that same sentence, you could say that the Kings had dug themselves a big enough of a deficit as, you know, did the New Orleans Pelicans and, you know, all of the other teams who may even remotely be in the conversation, the San Antonio Spurs. I don't remember exactly where they were at the time. But there was a conversation last year, as brief as it may have been. There, 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 there was, there were rumors, there were murmurs that perhaps Luke Walton and, and, and Vlade Divac, their job, jobs, respective jobs, uh, were in trouble. You know, there was that article about how frustrated Vivek Ranadive was. and uh, There was uh, a frustration about the, the drafting of, of Marvin Bagley versus, uh, versus Luka Doncic. And then the constant, you know, reminder of how great Luka is every time you turn on the Dallas Mavericks or every time you turn on Sports Center and you hear that Luka Doncic is a perennial MVP candidate. Uh, so there, there, there were talks, you know, just a couple of months ago that perhaps, perhaps Luke Walton's job was in trouble. Perhaps Vivek Ranadive's, or excuse me, Vlade Divac's job was in trouble. Uh, that seems to have settled, and I don't know if it's the pandemic that has settled it. I don't know if it was ever really realistic or if the Kings play uh, in the final stretch, or, or what I believe is going to wind up being the final stretch of the season, uh, is ultimately what saved the job of those two. Um, King started the season fifteen and twenty nine, fourteen games under five hundred, and 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 that's you know that was around the time that these these conversations started to be had, and the Kings have a lot of questions uh, heading into this off season. <laughs> Whenever the offseason is officially ruled to get here and however they approach this offseason, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic as well. Because, you know, remember, there's the Buddy Heald thing and Buddy Heald moving from uh, the starting lineup to the uh, to the bench. And, you know, Buddy apologists will or Buddy fanboys will tell you that, um, well, those. You know his 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 dramatically improved numbers uh, going from uh, the starting lineup to the bench. Well, that, that, there's not really proper context for those, and perhaps there's not. But we know, Buddy went to the bench. His numbers got better. His shooting percentage. I mean, his numbers across the board got better. He appeared to be more frustrated, but the Kings appeared to be much better. Of course, there's the return of Rashawn Holmes there, and there's still no Marvin Bagley. So you head into this offseason, again, whenever it may be, and you think, okay, Buddy Heald is locked up for a very you know long-term deal. We still have this situation with Bogdan Bogdanovich. And, you know, local media tried to spin the, uh, you know, the Dwayne Dedman deal and all of that stuff that went on at the All-Star break is, oh, well, now we've got money to feed uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Now we've got money to get that man paid. The money was always there. It was just a question of how far into the, uh, how close is Sacramento willing to push the luxury tax envelope uh, for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in you know, 12, 13 years or whatever the number will wind up being. And, you know, the, and if you think about that for a second and you think about the people who were telling you, uh, Kings fans, that, Kings created money for Bogdan Bogdanovich that allegedly wasn't there before by moving Dwayne Dedman. Think about that. 
they gave the money that was supposed to go to Bogdan Bogdanovich to Dwayne Dedman? Of course not. That was just local media spin doing you know what they do better than anybody. So I guess Bogdan Bogdanovich now is in no danger of not being signed. Because that was a big that was a big question. My feeling was always you were gonna have to decide by February what you were gonna do with one of them. Whether it would be Buddy Heald or whether it was Bogdan Bogdanovich, because Bogey's probably gonna get a decent contract offer from somebody. And I'm and that's another, you know, that's such an unknown to this this season. That's such an uh, uh, unknown to uh, the dynamic of uh, the upcoming NBA offseason is does everything just kind of, you know, go as normal? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we're not going to have summer league. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we're going to have a virtual draft. I believe there were reports earlier this month that uh, there was a, at least a, a conversation, and I think the NBA Players Association was looking to push the draft until August. And, 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 and I'm assuming just an assumption on my part that this has to do with pre-draft workouts. Um, like, okay, I, I guess that makes sense. You know, of course, if you're, if you're going to be under the, you know, belief we're going to have pre-draft workouts in, in August, like, okay. You know, maybe at the, at the time there's, there's a way around it. Maybe we're further along in August than we were in April where, the NFL couldn't have those pre-draft workouts, at least, you know, those uh, in-person workouts. And so what does that do for free agency? Is free agency now pushed back until after the draft? Is it pushed back till, till after August? Um, because normally the draft is in J- June, right? It's in the the end of June. So... Free agency is right after. I mean, I think the way that it goes is we we get the finals. Shortly after the finals, we get the draft. Shortly after the draft, we get free agency. Shortly after free agency, we get the California Classic. Then we get summer league, and man, we got basketball all year long. Man, you sprinkle in, you sprinkle in uh, the last dance. Man, this would have been a hell of an NBA offseason. but it's different now. You know, we're in different times, and we're dealing with a, a, a ton of uncertainty. So, how all of that's going to shape out is is something that I'm interested in. Um, I'm sure all Kings fans are interested in that as well. We heard uh, Rashawn Holmes, who signed the you know bargain deal of the century for the Sacramento Kings, that he wants to be a King moving forward. And we've heard the we've heard the King for life thing you know quite a bit during our time here in Sacramento. It's never turned out to be something that actually happened, but the fact that Rashawn Holmes wants to play here, the fact that Rashawn Holmes likes to play here, and the fact that Sacramento Kings fans love Rashawn Holmes, that's certainly a positive. And then you have the, uh, then you have the situation with Marvin Bagley. Uh, Marvin Bagley uh, only plays 13 games last season, and you've got to figure out, okay, you, you, there, I, I take that back. There's nothing you have to figure out in terms of whether Marvin Bagley is on your roster next year. That's certainly not a, like, you have him, and you have him for, uh, you know, the rookie scale price for a couple more years. And you have an opportunity to see what happens if he can get healthy, stay healthy, and develop. And that's, you know, that's an important part of of this equation is 
the, the develop part. I, I mean, obviously, the for him, for Marvin Bagley, the most important part, and for the Sacramento Kings, the most important part is the stay healthy part. Because once he's healthy, then you, because that's just something we haven't been able to, that's something we haven't been able to see yet. Long-term health and overall development. And it's not, like, it's not his fault. Like, if you're not healthy, it's going to be difficult to develop. Well, he hasn't been either. He hasn't been able to do either. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Therefore, he hasn't been able to develop. There's no chicken and egg question there. It's pretty simple. No health, no development. And it, it, no one wants this upcoming year, this upcoming season, whenever it starts, whatever it winds up looking like, to be a development year for for Marvin Bagley. You want him to have a strong offseason, hopefully wherever he's at, wherever he's quarantined at, he has the ability to to work out. And, you know, this is a huge loss for him not having access to a trainer. At least I, I'm assuming he doesn't have access to, you know, to, to the trainer and to the medical facility and all that stuff. That is, again, an assumption on my part. I'm just operating under the, you know, the, the, the training facilities being closed and all of those types of different things and social distancing and stuff like that. But this is, it, that's a, that's problematic. That's problematic. Not just for Marvin Bagley. That's problematic for, Every NBA star that was dealing with an injury uh, at the time of the lockdown and at the at the time of uh, the NBA season effectively ending or the, the, the NBA season effectively being suspended. Kings won 13 of the last 20 games that were played. They were three and a half back from Memphis. Um, Portland was in the mix. I forgot about Portland. I had mentioned New Orleans and San Antonio. They were They were still kind of in the mix as well. Uh, De'Aaron had, uh, he had returned. De'Aaron was looking really good after missing, uh, the 18 games uh, that he missed. Um, there, there was a lot. It's just, it, it's tough, man. You're just watching this movie. You feel like you're, you know, you're building to the climax. You feel like you're building towards the final fight scene. And then it, and then just the movie gets suspended and you can't see the end of it. <laughs> and then next year, like the sequel is going to come out. And it's like, yo, I didn't even see the end of last year. I got to figure out, and, and I guess that's what we'll be, you know, left to do is kind of figure out, okay, what did all of this mean? What did the final 20 games of the season mean? Uh, what did Buddy Heald's uh, move to the bench mean? What did all of that stuff mean? And we're going to not be able to figure it out until whenever the the the, the next NBA season starts. And I, I've, I've told you this before. I don't know when it is, but I don't think it's October or November. I, you know, there's the the plan, or or at least I don't know that it's specifically a plan, but there was the the conversation that perhaps the NBA season doesn't start until Christmas. Perhaps there is actually a a new NBA year that runs more through Christmas to summer, like Christmas to August rather than the uh, November to June. You know, the, the, or, or in, in recent years, it's been October to June. And there are complications with that, with running the NBA season to August. Uh, what about Olympic years? And there are already, you know, there's already reports that, you know, the, the, this, this, you know, the coronavirus will have to be, like, we're talking vaccines we're talking like full on under control for the 2021 weird to say that the 2021 Tokyo Olympics to happen like there's already reports that we're we're fully preparing to cancel 
this Olympic cycle to where this Olympic cycle just doesn't exist. Um, there's there's also talks of potentially trying to move it to 2022, and you know and now you know now you've got a 2022 Olympics and then a 2024 Olympics. I'm not down on that. Shoot, I'm all for it. I love the Olympics, uh, particularly the Summer Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. And and I think a lot of people are starting to, whether whether they already knew or they're just starting to acknowledge it publicly, uh, like Steve Kerr said, you know, we're, we're operating under, we're operating, we being the Golden State Warriors, we're, we're operating under, like, the, the season's over. Like, he even said it, it, it feels like, it feels like the off season. Um, he said we had a Zoom call with Bob Myers, and I got on Zoom with our players, and a chance for Bob to update the players on his contact with the league and the latest news. But it also feels kind of like our annual team exit meetings. Our coaching staff and I have been uh, undergoing staff evaluations, off season plans. So we're absolutely in off season mode, and they're in a little bit a different category than you know. There aren't very many teams. You know, the Kings are certainly, oh, man, I hope we get a chance to play regular season games, and I'm sure Portland and New Orleans and some of those other teams are. But Golden State stunk. Like, they they were the, the, the worst team in the league. Like, they're not thinking about what happens if the NBA season resumes. I don't think Cleveland is thinking about what happens if the NBA season resumes. We heard, uh, I mentioned it yesterday, I read it a couple of days ago, that, you know, with the, with the league potentially reopening uh, training facilities, Atlanta was like, yeah, nah, like we're good. I think there's a there, there's a prevailing feeling if, and this is just a massive, massive if, if there's any way to salvage the NBA season at all, it's going to be salvaged for the playoff teams and no one else. So teams like Golden State, like what, what would Golden State come back and play? You certainly can't play 20 games. Under no circumstances can you play 20 regular season games. What would Golden? What would the purpose of like a Golden State, a Cleveland, and Atlanta? What would be the purpose of them coming back and and playing for f- five games, or six games, or, or or whatever the arbitrary number the NBA decided to use? There wouldn't be none. If somehow, some way, we were able to see basketball, and I don't think we will, it would just be for the playoffs. It would only make sense for it to be for the playoffs. So sure, Golden State's probably operating with a different mindset than the Los Angeles Lakers or the Houston Rockets, or the Milwaukee Bucks, or, you know, any of those 16 playoff teams. They're operating with a different mindset. And then you have the the very small handful of teams on the cusp, like the Sacramento Kings that we just spoke of, that are kind of like, ah, what if, just in case. But again, I don't think any of this is going to happen. But the NBA is putting forward a, you know, the, they're trying. They're, they're, they're putting forth a, a good faith effort here to save the season, to show TNT like, hey, uh, look what we're doing. Um, look at what uh, we're trying to do for TNT and look at what we're trying to do for ESPN. And, you know, you just put forth the good effort and, and, and keep it moving. And there you go. Uh, I love reading that. I, I don't know if you guys saw this. There's an article on ESPN uh, right now that talks about um, what NBA players are doing right now with their time. And our guy Garrett Temple is, um, he's uh, doing his online LSAT prep, which is the most, like if you, if you ever got a chance to listen to Garrett on our show, if you ever had the opportunity to talk to to Garrett, Garrett being a um, uh, a lawyer is, it's flawless. 
Like it's 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 absolutely perfect. Uh and I love it. Um his father, I remember him telling us this story. His dad uh told him uh, that he need he he should he needs to go get a law degree. And I remember him telling us that story and uh you know, Garrett obviously uh listens and he's using this this time away from basketball to uh, do his LSAT prep, man. And uh, I absolutely love that dude. I'm such a fan of, of Garrett Temple, the not only the player, but I'm a fan of, of, of Garrett Temple, the person, because Garrett's the type of guy, you know, to, to read that he's out, you know, doing his LSAT prep and all of that stuff. Garrett's the guy who could easily be a coach. Like Garrett Temple could be like, if he decided he wanted to, he could be a coach tomorrow. Um, Okay, since we're since we're talking basketball, I, a couple of people text yesterday. Oh, I can't believe you didn't play uh, Aaron Gordon's diss track, dude. That was such trash. Like even by even by uh, like athlete standards, oh, that was so bad. It was such garbage. I mean, come on, and hey, he's bored. Like cool, like you're bored, like. Let's go ahead and I'm going to make a diss track about Dwayne Wade. Oh man. Like AG, this was so bad again. And we're, we're, we're talking athlete rapper standards. It was bad. I'm not going to play that stuff on this show. Not it wasn't even bad. Like, like you can laugh at it bad. It was la. It was bad. Like, Oh, you really thought you did it here. Didn't you? Like, uh, like in, more like embarrassing bad like oh we're going to we're going to move along here we're just going to pretend this didn't happen and and, and we're going to keep moving it mentioned the lakers had been in touch with los angeles about uh getting their workouts going uh gavin newsom uh introduced a a a plan a four stage plan now this isn't a four stage four day plan this is a this is a four-stage plan for reopening California. Uh, we're currently in stage one. Uh, stage one involves staying at home. Uh, that's what we're doing, staying at home, uh, building out coronavirus testing, um, personal protective equipment, and, and, and all of that stuff, lowering hospital uh, visits, things like that. Stage two consists of uh, opening lower-risk workplaces, uh, including retail and manufacturing. That's stage two. Stage three, uh, gradual reopening of uh, higher risk environments, including uh, sporting events without live audiences. Uh, and I'm sure in these, you know, categories also comes, you know, uh, oh, well, I'll give you stage four first. Stage four uh, California is is part of uh, stage four is reopening uh, its highest risk environments entirely, but only once um, therapeutics have been developed. I assume a therapeutic is a vaccine, uh, and that stage would be conducting live sports with fans. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say stage four and stage three are really, really far away. But what does stage two look like? Does stage two mean your favorite restaurant reopens where you can actually eat at your restaurant, but, you know, only a handful of people can eat there at the same time? Is that even um, cost effective for businesses 
for restaurants to reopen. Does this mean like Macy's reopens or, you know, the mall in general reopens? Does this mean there's a like I'm I'm so fascinated about like what is life going to look like moving forward because think about areas like the mall like think about the galleria and and and, and arden fair and the different places or whatever area you're in think about the mall near you and how do you i mean is there you know i saw at safeway the one time i went or two times i went that there's a there was a person out there there was an employee um, and and they're monitoring how many people walk in and out of the store and if that number that walks in gets too high without that number walking out, keeping up, they hold people. And a line starts to form outside of the grocery store. Is that how it works? Is that how it's going to work at like a mall, for example? Or is that how it's going to work for Macy's? Now, the difficulty with some of these places is like Macy's is enormous. You can safely have a number of people shopping at the same time. The malls obviously are enormous. The individual stores aren't, and the, the odds are that, you know, not, not everybody who walks in the store is going to be going to the same place, unless, of course, you're Apple, and then it feels like everybody in the mall walks into Apple. There's always 4 million people there. Like, I don't even know how that Apple store can safely function without uh, vaccinations, or, or are we just going to have to get used to, like, is 2020 going to be the year where... Every single person you encounter is wearing a mask and gloves. And that's what we remember this year for. Everybody we meet along the way is wearing a mask and gloves. And that's the only way we can safely shop. Uh, you know, that's the only reason we can safely shop at retail stores. Uh, I mean, that's maybe that's the only way we can go, you know, to public gyms. I, I don't know. It all feels so extreme, yet it all feels so extremely necessary. And, they, and, and, I've, and I've come to see that there are kind of two people, two types of people as it pertains to this coronavirus. There, you know, there's, there's, I, I am taking this extremely seriously. I am taking social distancing seriously. I'm taking all of this you know, with a great deal of responsibility, and I'm being very smart with the way that I approach this. And the other people are like, oh, come on. I'm going to go over to my buddy's house. Or I'm going to go see my friends here. I'm going to go see my friends there. I, I got to get out of the house. I got to do something. I don't feel like there's a lot of in-between. I, I want to go see my family. Like I, you know, I don't have much else to do. I could do the podcast from their house. But my niece, and I know they're quarantining. I know they're taking social distancing seriously. But my niece is taking it really seriously. You know, she tells my grandma, Grandma, you got to be careful. Not my grandma, my mom, her grandma. She tells her grandma, you got to be careful, grandma. We got to be six feet apart. And she's like, she is serious. It's like, Oh, man. And then there are other people like, man, I'm going to go get in the pool. We're going to have a pool party. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And again, I understand like this all feels so extreme, yet it all feels so necessary. Uh, one positive thing that has started to develop uh, out of this pandemic and, and I'm talking about when you're comparing an evil versus an evil is the fact that the G League is starting to overtake the NCAA uh, five-star point guard uh, 
Deshaun Nix is decommitting from UCLA. Sorry, Jay Ross. And he is signing uh, with the new G League Pathway program. Uh, Nix is the third player to join the G League from the 2020 class. As you already know, the number one prospect, Jalen Green, uh, and Isaiah Todd, another five-star forward, they both came to the decision earlier this month uh, that college wasn't going to be for them. Uh, they had both signed letter, letters of intent. They're both pulling out, and they're both joining the G League. Uh, not coincidentally, uh, Shams tweeted earlier this morning, that the NCAA says it, it's expected to adopt new name, image, and likeness rules for athletes starting in the 2021-2022 season, allowing them to receive compensation for third-party endorsements and opportunities such as social media, businesses, and personal appearances. Fascinating for a number of reasons because I have to ask this question now, who's going to handle that for them? Because to ask a college athlete to negotiate a endorsement deal with a third, you know, with a you know, with a local car endorsement place or a local, sorry, not a car endorsement, a local uh, car company uh, near the campus of their school, or perhaps Nike or 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 Puma or whoever, to ask a college student or or in some cases uh, a high school student probably most cases a, a high school student to negotiate these types of deals without proper representation is irresponsible so part of what the NCAA is going to have to implement and they're absolutely 1000% going to resist it and they're going to fight this kicking and screaming is they're going to have to allow these young men and women to have agents because that Ask them to do this without an agent is a, just a terrible, terrible idea. I mean, God knows what they would be signing. They have to allow them to have some sort of representation, being an agent or a lawyer or whatever. They have to be able to have that. But I am amused that the day after another, you know, five-star player, another, you know, top 20 college player uh, commits to the G League, suddenly, oh, the NCAA wants to announce they're making changes. We knew that, we, we knew that they had an, said they were going to do this, but now we're going to put a time frame on it. And we're going to make sure everybody knows we're, we're going to change the ability for you, for you to use your name, for you to use your image, for you to use all of that great stuff that you could make money on. I was having a conversation with a, a friend uh, a couple of days ago about, we were talking about DirecTV. That, yeah, I told you I never felt more liberated than when I called DirecTV and told them, man, I'm done with you and uh, my service immediately. He still has DirecTV. He still throws money away each month at that. And I was like, you know, I think DirecTV, the second the NFL sells their uh, digital package, to someone else, um, I think they're. I think Directv is gone. Like the only thing Directv really has going for it is a Sunday ticket, and I know they have like regional sports packages and they have all of this other stuff. Like AT and T, the the merger between AT and T and Directv has been just fumbled from the start, and Directv has just been an Directv has been a long term absolute disaster. But they're held up by their exclusive relationship 
with the NFL and the ability to purchase uh, the NFL Sunday ticket, which is such a colossal waste of money. As someone who pissed away hundreds of dollars on that package year after year after year, if you have never, ever purchased it, I can tell you there is a one reason to buy it. If you are a diehard, and I mean you can't miss a single solitary second of your team's football game, but not only your team's football game, but an unpopular team in a smaller market. Like my buddy is fan. He's a he's from Cleveland. He's a Cleveland Browns guy. So Cleveland doesn't have a ton of um, nationally televised games. So if he wants to see his Cleveland Browns, that's how he got to do it. If I'm the NFL, why doesn't the NFL look at selling team season passes? Like if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns, you can buy the entire Cleveland Browns schedule. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders, you could buy the entire Raiders schedule. You can buy a singular team's entire schedule. Because I can't imagine with the creation of the Red Zone channel and streaming and the way that things are now, I can't imagine that a lot of people are still purchasing Sunday ticket. I honestly believe that I was the last asshole to do it. I know I wasn't, but I sure felt like it. Like, what am I? I'm watching the Red Zone channel, for God's sakes. I'm not even watching these individual games. I would only switch switch to the individual games if I knew something was really exciting happened or if it was the late window and there were four games on, I would go to the screen that allowed me to put four games on the screen and I would just have all four of them running at the same time. I would just have all four of them on the screen at the same time. And even at that, I would often switch back to the Red Zone channel. It's just a colossal waste of money. And with with Amazon now working deals with the NFL to you know, to stream Thursday night football. I think they've already done that. I think Twitter is to stream Thursday night football. Um, uh, you know, with, with, with Hulu now in the conversation and Apple TV. The NFL is ultimately going to sell their rights to the season package in some way, shape, or form to one of those digital platforms. Or maybe even ESPN+. Plus. They're going to sell it to one of those digital platforms. And, you know, once they do that, I think some of, you know, the companies like DirecTV that are propped up by their NFL packages are, they're going away. And I'm telling you, if you're not a streamer yet, cutting the cord is the way to go. I know I've said that a thousand times and I'll try not to say it a thousand more. Cutting the cord is 100% the way to go. It changes the way you watch TV. You find yourself wasting time watching TV. A lot. Like, it's, like I never have the TV on in the background anymore. Uh, I'm always, if, if, if the TV's on, I'm, I'm watching something. Like yesterday, like I, I, I was working on, um, I was, I'm, I'm really close to finishing ep- episode number two of this yet-to-be-revealed podcast that I promised I wasn't going to talk about but managed to bring up several times a week. I, had, I, I went back and watched... Um, there's a CM Punk uh, like documentary. It was, a, it was an old DVD release, but it's, it's called The Best in the World. It's on the WWE Network. I went back and watched that. And I was like, oh, man, that's really good. And then I was done, then I turned it off. Like I, I, you don't channel flip anymore either because you... Even if you have live TV on Hulu, I, I don't find myself channel flipping anymore. Like if I sit down to watch TV, I'm sitting down to watch a 
specific thing. It's the way to go, man. I'm telling you. And it's so much cheaper. Even if you buy a bunch of the apps, I got a ton of services through Apple TV and it's still a fraction of what my dumbass was paying to direct TV. It's worth it, man. I'm telling you it's worth it. Uh, James Winston thinks it's worth it to sign with the New Orleans Saints. He says being a part of the New Orleans Saints, being a part uh, with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill and Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi and Pete Carmichael Jr., when you think about that room, that's like a Harvard education in quarterback school. That's what James Winston said on um, an appearance with Charlie Ward, Charlie Ward's show talk, uh, Chalk Talk on Instagram Live. Said, so I wanted to put my ego aside, put the money to the side, think about my family, and think about my career moving forward. Jameis Winston, man, is only 26 years old. And if that's honestly how he believes, if, if, if that's what he thinks about the New Orleans Saints and he feels that that is a, you know, a Harvard education, if he's able to soak that up, if he's able to soak up being around Drew Brees, if he can talk to Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and Joe Lombardi about how do I how do I you know still be an effective five thousand yard thrower while not turning the ball over at the same exact rate I'm throwing touchdown passes. You don't want to have an interception touchdown ratio of one to one. If he's able to soak that up, man, Jameis Winston's going to be a very viable starting quarterback in the years to come. Again, he's only twenty six years old. And we have seen guys for years after years after year after year after year get opportunities to play at the quarterback position. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the, the shining example. Uh, he's not the only one, but he's, he's a shining one. And he, I, I think Jameis Winston, if that's how he's approaching this, his time with New Orleans, and maybe he's even approaching this like, maybe I don't play for the Saints this year. Maybe I don't play much for the Saints this year. Maybe this is a year where Drew Brees, Drew Brees plays all 16 games. If he's able to sit into that quarterback room and learn, if he's able to get together one-on-one uh, with those quarterback coaches, if he's able to pick the brain of, of Drew Brees, man, this could be a really, really beneficial year for him. The problem is he wouldn't have a way to showcase it, and I don't know how he would be able to display to other teams like, look, I had uh, you know, a, a, a turnover issue. Uh, I had a decision-making issue, and I have been able to correct that uh, with my time here in New Orleans. If he's not able to get time out on the football field, it's going to be difficult for him to show that. It's going to be difficult for him to prove that. It's going to be virtually impossible for him to prove that. Uh, he's going to have to rely on you know, perhaps Sean Payton selling him to other teams. Like, hey, man, he's gotten a lot better. Hey, you should consider him. You should consider signing him. He'd be real good for you. Because Lord knows he's, he wouldn't do that for Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is the apple of his eye. But if if Jameis wants to use uh, New Orleans to springboard him to his next job, it's the the problem is with with each season that passes, you know, more young quarterbacks come in, and next year Trevor Lawrence is coming in, and you're going to have to wait to see. Okay, look at all of these quarterbacks that were drafted this year. We don't think Jordan Love is going to play, but we think that Justin Herbert's going to play. We think that Tua Tonga Vailoa is going to play. Which one of those guys, do, do we the one of those guys, do they wind up failing? Does, um, I don't know, does Sam Darnold wind up not working out? Does Josh Allen wind up not working out? Does, does the, you know, do, do the quarterbacks from the draft the year before 
have teams made their decision on them and it's like well or even you go back the year before that and like ah man we've got to bring in a quarterback who can get us over the hump we're being held back like the Chicago Bears for example we're being held back by by Mitchell Trubisky well who who can we go with that's better than that well we went with Nick Foles I don't think that's ultimately going to work and I know that they tried to you know they tried to trade for Cam Newton I think before Cam Newton was eventually released but that's going to be the difficult part for Jameis, but I think Jameis has the right approach here. And you know, seeing that, being reminded that he's only twenty six years old, dude threw for thirty touchdowns and you know five thousand yards last year. He just threw for thirty interceptions too, and had a handful of fumbles to go with him as well. So he has to, you know, decision making has to get better. Protecting the ball uh, has to get better, and you know, if anybody can teach him that, I think Sean Payton. And the New Orleans Saints can. It's just a question of will he be able to get uh, another opportunity. I appreciate you so much for indulging me this morning uh, as I woke up uh, well before I should have. But I'm glad, you know, always thankful here to have this uh, outlet to hang out with you guys, talk with you guys, talk about the different things going on in the world, going on in sports and all of that. If you haven't subscribed yet, I know that you have. You listen every day. I appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't rated the show yet, if you haven't reviewed the show yet, I've gotten real lazy about asking you to do that. Please head over to iTunes. Uh, please head over to Apple Podcasts specifically. Uh, and you could do it right there before you even before I'm even done talking. You can just go to the podcast, go to where all of the episodes are, look for the stars, hit the fifth one. Boom. It'll ask you if you want to write a review, if you could think of some glowing, wonderful things to say about me. Great. Do that. And I'm trying to get you conditioned for this. I know I used to say it every episode. Rate, review, do all of that stuff. If you guys share it on social media, man, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook. If you're listening, post screenshots. Uh, uh, take a screenshot and, and post it on your Instagram story and tag me in it so we could link up on Instagram. Because the fact is, I'm going to be begging all of you to do this again uh, as soon as I release that new podcast. Uh, I'm going to need you, even if you don't like wrestling, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to prop me up and make me look good. Uh, so, uh, get back in the, get back in the swing of this, of, of, of posting, uh, on social media and letting everybody know about the podcast, man. I appreciate you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, be safe, be healthy, and we'll be back here tomorrow.